Good morning, Eastridge. It is so great to see you all here this morning. Uh, thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Pastor Justin. I'm the associate pastor here. And um, I, I will be in the dunk tank, of course. Um, so it's, it, is a, uh, it is really kind of an honor to do that. Uh, not only am I nominated to do that, but it's also refreshing. So pray for hot weather, okay, uh, that, uh, that it's as refreshing as it should be. And because uh, we can't, like, put hot water in there. It's just going to be pure cold from the tap water. So, um, but it's, uh, it's kind of awesome. So, uh, but uh, I want to say also that I see a lot of, uh, I see a lot of No Perfect People Allowed shirts out there. And it's really cool because yesterday uh, my wife and I tried a new restaurant and we saw people, we saw two people that, you know, I barely know walking around with those shirts on. I was like, that's really awesome. So seriously, if you, you know, want to easily advertise your church, your community, where you are, grab one of those shirts, wear it out in public. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's a really great icebreaker, too, because he said that he walked into a couple stores, um, and this is in the Lincoln Park area, where they said, oh, I really like your shirt. Where'd you get it from? And then they said, I, it's at my church. So that's a really fun way to do that. Um, today, we are in the middle of our Summer on the Mount sermon series, and it's all about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus uh, was, uh, in the beginning of Matthew, he's born, then he, he uh, grows up, and he's, you know, doing miracles all around Jer- Jerusalem, Capernaum, Galilee. He's doing all these miraculous things. He's starting to get a following. He's starting to get people that want to hear him, that want to hear him uh, teach, uh, want to hear him preach. And so he's gathering all these people, and they're sitting here, and they're listening to this grand teaching uh, that, you know, the, the Bible doesn't actually call it Sermon on the Mount, uh, but it's what we call it as churchians, okay? And we, we see that, you know, kind of in the headlines of our Bible of what, the, what it's called. And we are talking about how Jesus taught these, you know, ideas to all these multitudes of people, and started with being salt and light, being of godly character, right? That God wants us to have this characteristic in our lives. And so we also should have that salt and light as followers of Christ. So uh, last week I mentioned that, uh, that since we need godly character, since we have godly character, since we are called to have that salt and light in our lives, we also need to know that the, that the law that came before Jesus, what we need to do with that. Because a lot of these people that were following Jesus were Jews. They were Jews that, that had the law. They knew the law. They went to temple. They were taught to follow all 613 of these laws. But 613 laws, that kind of seems impossible. In fact, it is impossible. You're, you're meant to say, I can't do all of those things. So I'm, instead, I'm going to put my faith in the Savior who can. And then when Moses was writing that, he had the idea that nobody's going to be able to do these. But it's pointing to Jesus. Those laws are pointing to say, I need a Savior more than I need these laws. I need a Savior more than I need these laws. It's to say that we desperately need a Savior to live righteously for us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He lived righteously for us. And we can try you know, to do all these things on our own. We can try to do, accomplish the law and have all these good works and we can really try and do all these really noble things. But what ends up going to happen is we're going to have a lot of pride. We're going to be proud of what we do. We, we know that we can do and we can accomplish these things because we are strong enough to accomplish this law. 
And pride is one of the things in the Bible that talks about that we shouldn't really have. Pride in, uh, in, in things that, that really aren't about God. And granted, sometimes you can be proud. You can be proud of other people. I'm proud of my son. Uh, Jude is, uh, he loves baseball right now. So he's a big baseball player. He talks about it all the time. He's seven and he can, he can hit the ball really well. He can hit it better than I thought he could. So I'm very proud of him. I tell him that all the time. Lucy is good at a lot of things, and, uh, but the thing that I'm most proud of her is her contagious laughter. She has a giggle that is just will like warm your heart, and it is so funny that you just can't help but laugh with her. She's, she's four, and she's cute. Uh, she's amazing, and I tell her that I'm proud of her every single day. My, uh, my wife is amazing and wonderful, and I'm, there's a many things that I could go on and on about that I'm proud of her with, but right now at the top of the list, it's house training our dog, um, and because that's fun. And so she's doing that. She's doing that very well. She's doing it with a lot of grace, um, and she's doing it with a lot of, I can't believe you peed at that same spot again, uh, sort of uh, grace for, for her. So that's really great. So we can have pr- pride in those things, but when we start thinking that we can do things ourselves, that we can accomplish something, we start to think, I, I, it's all about me. We start our sentences a lot with I. I can do these things. The law is going to keep uh, us humble and say that we can't do anything at all except through Jesus Christ. Jesus did those things for us. So a lot of times when we, we try and think of even good deeds that go unnoticed. Um, how many of you are familiar with uh, Irina Sendler? None of you. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, so uh, let me tell you about her. So Irina Sendler was a, 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 a Jewish-Polish uh, woman that was alive during World War II. And she was a, a part of a group of, uh, of aid workers. Uh, she was a so- social worker that helped get Jews out of Nazi-occupied Poland, Nazi-occupied Warsaw. And so over the course of time, she, uh, she ended up saving over 2,500 children and crossing, helping them cross the border into safer cities so that, they could, so that these kids could live, so these kids could just have a life. Uh, she uh, would write down their names, where they were from, their parents, and all these things, because the, these kids got new identities as soon as they crossed the border so that they couldn't be found. She would write their, their real names, their real parents, their real address, their identity, and they, she would write them in jars, and then she would, she would bury them in her garden so that she could one day come back and find them. So she, uh, she did all these things. The kids were taken across the border in laundry carts, in ambulances, in luggage, in, uh, in manure carts, and all, things, all these things that would, that would cross the border. And these kids would be safe. And they would be in kind of foster, foster homes while they were there. Eventually she was captured and tortured, where she was told to give up these names of these kids and of, of, the, of the Zagoda, which is the, this network that she was in, give up the, all the conspirators and everything else that was happening. But she, she didn't do that. She escaped her, uh, and, uh, her capture. And after the war, she returned back to her garden, dug up these jars, found these kids, and tried to reunite them with their parents. And sadly, a lot of them couldn't be reunited because their parents were taken to either camps or they were, they were just simply killed. When she was 89, so this is 54 years after, the, after she had rescued these children, when she was 89, she was internationally recognized for her, her deeds that she did during World War II. 
And that was internationally. Locally, she was recognized a little bit. She got an award and I think like a medal, but that was just in Warsaw. That was just in Poland. Uh, a, a group of Ohio uh, college students found this story about her and nominated her for a Nobel Peace Prize. She ended up losing that, that nomination, but she was nominated for it and was up for it. And she got a lot of international recognition for it. There's a book written about her. But she did all these things not for herself at all. She didn't do it for fame. She didn't do it for fortune. She didn't do it for recognition. She didn't do it for status. She didn't do it for reward. She did it just simply to save children. And we see these things all the time in our lives. We see these things happen all the time. When uh, moms do countless things for their kids, uh, like feed them and clean them and wipe their butts, and soldiers who are in combat, and they pay that ultimate sacrifice of either death or their time in service. We see doctors and nurses and teachers and social workers that spend so much time with their students and their, and their, and their patients that you know, they, they have that care for those people, but they don't get paid very much for it, and they're carrying that, that physical and that mental anguish with them as even when they're done. So some of them do great works every single day and mostly without any thanks at all. And we have to have days to remember to say thankful, to be thankful for them. We have Mother's Day and Father's Day and Memorial Day and Labor Day and Nurses Day and all these other things that we have. But these people show the character of God by being salt and light. So they, they do these things without recognition. This is, the characteristic, uh, this is the characteristic that God wants us to have when we give, when we pray, and when we fast. So that's where we're going to be today of having that, what it's going to be looking like to have, do these things without any recognition uh, in the book of Matthew. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And um, I, w- I want to preface this by saying that while this is, I'm going to be talking uh, mostly about giving, this is not a giving message. Okay, this isn't saying, hey, we need your money, so let's talk about giving and how important giving is. Giving is important. I'm going to show that today. But this is really the heart behind it. This is why it's important. What Jesus says to do about giving, but also what to do about praying, what to do about fasting, and the heart behind it. So here's what it says. We're going to start in in, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. All right, so I'm going to stop there for just a second because... This is the same idea that Jesus is going to bring into when he's talking about, when he talks about prayer, starting in verse 5 in Matthew chapter 6, and when he talks about fasting in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 16. The same thing. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give, give to the needy. Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. 
What Jesus is saying here is, is your heart needs to be right. What Jesus is saying here is your heart needs to be in the right spot to give. Your heart needs to be in the right spot to pray. Your heart needs to be in the right spot to fast. Don't do this just because you're feeling like you need to get recognition for it. That's not what this is about. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, some churches do a poor job at this, okay? Some churches do a poor job of talking about giving, and they want you to give, and they ask you to give, and then you give out of guilt, right? And, or you give out of compulsion. You give out of reluctance. And, and honestly, you, you, uh, the, some churches do this, and, and older, much older churches do it, where they would you know, literally pass a plate around. And that's okay. You can still pass a plate. We, we, used to, we used to do it up until not too long ago. But honestly, the, the plate that they would pass is more like a bucket. And then you, when, this, when we had coins, you'd hear the coins go in there. And then that would be loud in a very you know, echoey uh, church. And then you would hear the coins go in there and say, oh, that person gave one. Oh, that person over there, they gave two. I'm going to try and match it. Or, or you would just get recognition for it and say, oh, I'm hearing a lot of coins clink and tink in, in, these, in, in, this, uh, in, this, in this bucket that, that everyone's passing around. That's, that's, uh, then you receive recognition for it. So, some other churches, you know, kind of put some guilt on you. This, this, uh, this graphic here behind me will show you that some churches don't really care, and they're, they're about to just show you that you can give, okay? Who's not giving, you know, Right? So, you know, some churches will go around and say, all right, let's take a, let's take a note of everyone in attendance. Did you sign the book that you're attending? And uh, let's see, let's match who gave that week. They didn't give. Okay. Good. Let's write them on the board. And we'll make sure that, they're, that they give their, their money back, that they're tithing. So we, we don't do that. I, I promise you, we're not making a mental note of who's here or not uh, and who's giving or not. You know, uh, this, this is kind of the idea behind this is that we're, we're doing this for a different reason. We're, we're giving for a different reason. And uh, we're going to be also in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 7, where it says this, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so that's like, just like I said. We're not doing this. We're not giving to give out of reluctance. We're not giving out of, out of compulsion or guilt. We're not trying to say, we need your money because we just feel, we, you should feel guilty that we're so poor, we're so, we're so broken, we're so weak that we can't survive without it. Some of that might be true, or there's a, there's a little bit of truth in there, but really, this is about your heart. This is about how you experience Jesus. This is how about you experience God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What Paul's saying here in verse 10 is that, okay, you're giving, you're going to receive a blessing. You're giving, you're going to see that blessing come back to you from God. You're going to see that blessing come back to you because God knows that if you're giving, you need something else. You need to, you, this, that you're missing something. You, what, what you just gave up, you can't pay for something else. 
So when he says that, that bread will go to you, that means that you're going to receive that. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When we give, when we pray, when we fast, we should be doing it in thanksgiving. We should be doing it with thankful hearts. Because here's what the rest of the verse says. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So your giving is not just providing for the church or the people that are working for the church, or the, people, the, the, the grounds that you're on right now, but many thanksgivings to God. Your giving, your praying, your fasting is going beyond what you are experiencing here today, this morning. It's going beyond. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace upon you, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, and you're doing it with your heart in the right spot, knowing what Jesus did for you, and being reminded that the law was set up for you to say, I need a Savior. I need someone to do these things for me. I can't do all 613 of these laws. I'm going to fail at some point. Someone needs to do them for me. That man was Jesus. He did them all for you perfectly. And then not only that, but he also died on the cross for you to have your sins removed from you. All the things that you broke, those rules that you broke, those are, those are our sins against God. And God hates that. God does not want that on you. So he sent his only son, not only to live for you, but to die for you. So that those sins can be forgiven. And, that, and then after, after he died, so your sins can be forgiven, he rose from the dead so that you can be forever and ever in heaven with him. So to receive that glory. That is, let, let's put that verse back up in verse 15. That is the inexpressible gift. So when you give, when you fast, when you pray, don't do it in, in to, so your righteousness and so your pride can get bigger. Do it because you know that this inexpressible gift is just a small way to show how, much, how great and amazing God is. That it is an inexpressible gift that you have from Jesus. It's an inexpressible gift that you have the Holy Spirit in you and that you are able to worship him today, here, and forever. That is the inexpressible gift. My hope and my prayer for you is that there is a, that this inexpressible gift that, that, that God has given to you allows you to not only be a cheerful giver, but a cheerful participant in worship. Where it, it's, it's not a frowning face up here when you're worshiping and singing these lyrics. That it, it is a joyful time. That it is a joyful experience. That you stand up here and say, this is amazing. I get to do this. I get to sing to the Savior of the world. And that when we, when we 
have a hard time, you know, we're bringing all these, all these uh, burdens and all these pains into our lives here at church. And we're, we're, we're not experiencing a, a joyful life at the moment. That we can bring that here and say, I might not be in the best spot. But I know that there's an inexpressible gift that Jesus has given to me. So I want to give back to him. In my worship, in my giving, in my praying, in my fasting. And sometimes it's not even just about money. Sometimes it's about talents. Sometimes you have talents and gifts that you can give. In First Peter 4, it talks about giving back to the people, giving hospitality, allowing your gifts to shine for other people. And don't keep it for yourself. If you have a gift, if you are able to serve, do it. And that could be here on this worship team. It could be back in Kidridge. It could be in uh, serving and greeting people as they come in. It could be in our prayer or care ministry. It could be in the nursery. It could be in our tech team. We, we need you to use your gifts. God has given you those gifts to show other people how amazing he is. So don't keep it for yourself, is what I'm saying. We go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, like I said, this isn't a giving message, but I did find it convenient that I can talk about, you know, our offering here in this spot. So that's where this is going to go. Um, so we have, we have, uh, we do take up an offering here at Eastridge. And, you know, I don't want you to give reluctantly. I don't want you to give out of guilt. I don't want you to give out of compulsion. I want you to search your heart. Look at what God is doing in your life. Look at what God has done in other people's lives. So that you can see that there is an inexpressible gift that you have to be thankful for. That without that inexpressible gift, you don't get to worship him. You don't get to read these scriptures. You don't get to give back. So if you do feel in your heart to give, go to give.eccduluth.com. We have a kiosk in the, in the lobby. We have some silver bins around the building to drop those donations off. It's very easy to give here. It's very safe. But we want to remind you that do it out of your heart. Do it with cheer. When you drop that donation, when you swipe that credit card, just say, this is for you, God. This is just a small part of what I can do to give back to you. And the Bible promises that when you give, you'll receive a blessing as well. So let's pray this morning. Let's close our service and just re be reminded that there is an inexpressible gift that Jesus has for us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this morning that we are able to worship you here by singing songs about you, by reading your scriptures, and also by giving back to you, God. That this is a spiritual act of worship, this sacrifice. That we don't want to give back to you with reluctance. We don't want to pray with a lot of pride. We don't want to fast with gloomy faces, but we want to 
do so because we have our faith in you alone. That our faith doesn't exist outside of what you have provided for us through your son's life, death, and resurrection. Help us sing about that gift now, God. Help us give back to you with these tithes and offerings. Help us serve you with the gifts that you have blessed us with. Allow us to see how you, God, can guide us to the path of righteousness that is for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?